Hey, that's the best news I heard all year. Good to hear your voice again, man. This is the Carbatch, in case you haven't recognized my voice yet. Uh, looking forward to it. Already subscribed. I'll be listening, adding you to the queue of my regular podcast listening. And uh, don't forget you who, what you friends was come from. Bo Combatch. Buckle up and here we go. We're back. This is Dwayne Finley and you have entered the ether on the Into the Ether podcast with your boy, Holla. That's right. We're doing this thing. And, you know, I've decided for the MMA centrics, we're going to release every Tuesday. We'll have a, uh, a bomb ass guest and some some MMA content to talk about. Some straight beer fire. But on Thursdays, which you're listening to now, we're going to take a little different route. We're going to take a, a scenic loop into uh, the, the shit that I just find fascinating. And, and, and no better place to start than parenting. Parenting, yeah, you know, uh, I'm not alone in this. There's, there's, there's millions of plenty people who have uh, kiddos of their own. And let's be honest with you, uh, with each other. This is, it's a hilarious situation when, when looked at, you know, prospectively. So, you know, I, I, I have two. Uh, my daughter, who is 16, Zoe Jade, beautiful, unique, free-spirited young woman. And I have an 11-year-old son, uh, Atticus, the savage one, which, you know, most of... Uh, the world knows because the kid's just so damn popular and it seems like he's been uh, friends with every MMA superstar that's come along in the last 10 years. So, you know, Sav is a, is a popular cat. And, you know, parenting these, these two has been, has been a, a journey. And it's funny because I can remember the hospital. You know, when, when Renee went into labor with Zoe, it was a 30-some hour ordeal. We were in our early 20s. It, you know, I just remember thinking the whole time I didn't, I didn't feel really a ton of pressure until, you know, go time and, and going to the hospital. I remember we get down there to Methodist Hospital in downtown Indianapolis, and she wasn't dilated enough, but she was going through contractions and, and a shitload of pain. And they said, uh, yeah, she's not um, dilated enough, so we're going to have to send her home. You know, we'll let her take a walk around the facilities, and then if, uh, if, if things start, you know, uh, firing, then we can admit her. Otherwise, we're going to have to send her home. And I'm thinking, fuck, man, no. Like, she gave me this look. Like, still to this day, you know, we've been married almost 20 years. But, and I've seen, like, I've never seen anything close to the disdain, uh, the ferocity, uh, the borderline murderous rampage that, you know, Renee had in her beautiful blue eyes. They, they, just, they just turned venomous. <laughs> venomous and and I was trying to broker this situation like please just admit her please give her the epidural please give her the juice you know put her on the big smooth and uh and ease the situation out but you know they that all slowed everything down if so there's nothing they could do and you know thank goodness thank goodness a little walk you know her little waddle around uh the uh facilities got things moving but it was still like 30 some hours before our daughter arrived to the world and and I can remember it plain as day, man, that somebody once told me, this is going to sound fucked up, but it, it's so true. Somebody once told me, like, hey, you know, it's going to seem gross, but as soon as the baby comes out, smell the baby. Like, you, I know immediately your head thinks to, like, where it came out of, blood and, you know, all the other fluids and all kinds of shit. 
and that's where my head was originally. But he said, you know, in the moment, it's like, uh, you know, like new car smell, like new human smell. And I swear to goodness, I, I took his advice, and it, it, it's, it, it was the freshest thing I've ever, it's just hard to explain. So if you're listening to this and you have a, a little one on, on the way, then uh, you might want to consider taking taking that advice. You know, um, I did it, and uh, and if I put my seal of approval on it, then you know, all Bo knows what the fuck he's talking about. But I can remember, you know, the whole time, the whole time we were going through these classes and all this shit you got to do, and uh, I remember thinking that there's no way, no way in hell that I'm gonna watch this baby come out. You know, I'll be there for support. I'll be your your best teammate in the world, but I am not going to watch. You know, down, down the chute, if you will, down the barrel, and watch and, and watch this this baby come out. So, I, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, that that I'm holding steadfast to my plan, and uh, you know, my daughter's on her on her way out, and the doctor said, "Hey, Dad, it's time to go." And you know, I grab a leg, and I, I I'm in the middle of the shit. And, you know, mind you, she'd been in labor for 30-some hours. And, you know, there's so many fucking, so many grilled cheese you can eat before a man starts to lose his mind. And, you know, having to be around my mother-in-law that long, bless her heart. But, you know, like, everything was just just tense, you know. And Renee was going in and out of pain and uh, in and out of, uh, you know, drug consumption. <laughs> and uh, when it was time to go, it'd been 30-some hours. So, you you know, you're, you're, you're not in your right mind, so to speak. So I'm holding the leg and... And uh, Renee's pushing, then all of a sudden the, the doctor's like, look, Dad, the, the, the head, you know, the head's starting to crown. Well, you know, it, it, this, is, this was where there was a disconnect between mind and body. You know, your, your mind is like, yeah, look, you know, this is what you've been waiting to see nine months and 30-some hours, what you've been waiting to see. But there's a part of your brain that's saying, no, motherfucker, don't do it. You know, hold your, hold, hold your ground. Hold your ground. But, you know, like I said, you're, in, you're not in your right mind. And and uh and you get twisted up so i i decided just to take a peek well as i took a peek sure enough the, my daughter's head was crowning and when you do size proportion of like the backdrop it i'm like man what a little tiny head this thing has you know and uh um the next 45 seconds destroyed my perspective on uh, uh, size evaluation, and uh, my daughter came flying into the world, and I was I was shocked. But I will say, uh, you know, it, it was a beautiful thing, and, and you know that's cliche, but it's it's it, it's true. You know, the birth is a is a wondrous situation, and thank God everybody was healthy. And um, but I can remember. Like in the recovery situation, you know, the baby comes out and you're, you know, trying to get mom to breastfeed and meeting all the new people and, uh, you know, and you're just trying to wrap your head around being a father. And then, you know, like somewhere around like the two day mark, they say, OK, you guys are going home, uh, you know, in the next, you know, half day, you know, next 24 hours. And I remember distinctly thinking, holy shit, they're going to let us go home like with this baby. Like, you know, I'm not ready for this baby, uh, you know, are we prepared for this? But no, they, as soon as everything's the left, you know, mom, as soon as mama's good and baby's good and uh, you have your car seat, they, they, uh, they wrap up baby and send, send you home. And I remember thinking like, holy shit, I, I, I'm a father now. And it was the best thing that, uh, has, has ever, has ever happened to me. I, I take a, I take a tremendous amount of pride in, in being a father. You know, I've, uh, 
Um, I've, I've messed up a lot of things in my life. Uh, you know, with the, with my background and certain, you know, and just certain ways I'm wired. I, I, my, my, my devil may care and winged attitude is, has brought a lot of success and a lot of great memories, but it's also brought a lot of hassle and a lot of strain. And I can honestly say fatherhood's something that I haven't fucked up. And I'm very proud of that. And anybody who's ever interacted with my children, you know, that, that reflects, you know, even though they, they, they're, they're world beaters and they're, they're great at everything they do. The, the, the thing that matters most is their character. And that reflects on the way they were raised. And I take a lot of pride in that. That's something I can be very proud. Renee and I can be extremely happy and, and, and pat ourselves on the back for the way we've, we've handled these first, you know, 16 and 11 years. So I, it's been a journey that I found a tremendous amount of humor in. But I will say that having a daughter first and then having a son later, they're, they're extremely different. These, these kids were raised exactly the same and they couldn't be more different if you drew it. I mean, if you drew it up a certain way that if you, even if you tried to write that story, you couldn't make them any more different. But there's, there's a lot of similarities in the two. And, um, but their differences are and what make them individually unique are, are, are always things that stand out in my mind. You know, I, I, I revel at the way that like the path my daughter's taken and the decisions she makes and the, the character she's built. And, you know, my son's uh, different, but he's also has the, the same linings of character and the, the same moral compass. So I, I'm extremely proud of that. But the the two people are, you know, Atticus and Zoe couldn't be any more different um if you if you purposely drew it up that way but yeah you know i look at the uh with with zoe you know uh i think she was four when atticus when atticus came to the world and renee's pregnancy with atticus was much different it was much quicker and uh we were in a different situation financially so so atticus was born in like the uh the uh, uh like the hilton where zoe was born in like oz not not wizard of oz like the hbo series prison <laughs> it's true it's much different situation so but zoe the the first couple of years before atticus was around and having a daughter you know i those are the years that i seem to remember the most about early fatherhood i remember the you know it seems like we taped everything it's hilarious like we not only do we film every moment but we safety proof the living shit out of this house. I mean, everything had a protective uh, foam covering or a, or a safety latch or a gate and, and all this shit. And then when Atticus came around, we literally did none of that. It's like you, you, the first kid survived, you're great. Instead of having a, uh, a padded corner on the coffee table, you just move your hand there when they're coasting or when they're guide walking. And, you know, you just kind of keep a better eye on things. But, yeah, with Zoe, we, we flossed our, our place out, man. We, we spent top dollar on every safety protection. And then I think when the first one survives and comes out semi-normal, you're like, you know, they're not going to fucking break. So you don't worry so much about the second one. So, uh, yeah, you know, with, with Zoe... The thing about it is, in my mind, she's 16 now and doing great. She's a junior in high school. But in my mind, she's perpetually four years old. She's perpetually that little girl with pigtails and, you know, little sundresses. And, and, and I always, there's always a disconnect now because she's a, she's a smart human being. She's a smart young woman. And uh, she's quick to call bullshit, man. She's got that. She gets that from her mother. And... I, I and I I am a 
perpetually in some form of bullshitting whenever my mouth is moving. So I, I think it's funny where she'll she'll challenge me. And then, I you know, I remember my, when my old man used to do that shit. You know, I thought he was the most uh, the, the smartest man in the world. He always had these interesting facts about things. I was like, man, my dad knows everything. But now these kids have fucking Google and can fact check and shoot your ass down uh, whenever, whenever need be, and, and that that always, you know, kind of kills my flow a little bit. But Zoe is always quick to, is always quick to throw that down. But it's it's funny, and I, I I told this story recently in one of my live shows that I did on the uh, All Things Come Back tour, and I'll have more information on that later. That was a lot of fun. Those two shows sold out, and we're definitely gonna do more. Uh, I can't wait to I can't wait to get back out there. This is another avenue that will enhance that that experience. You know, the, the going to different cities, you know, building an audience, telling stories. I think it's a different experience. You know, it's not stand up comedy. There's a lot of funny kind of anecdotes, but there's also a lot of serious, deep content, and uh, and, and it's just something different. If you're coming there just to uh, just you know thinking you're gonna laugh all night. It's a different scenario. You will laugh a lot because there's a lot of funny. There's a lot of funny shit and a, a lot of funny different stories that that I tell and I get through. But you know, being up there on uh, on stage for damn near three hours, it's a it's a lot. You know, it's a lot to get through. It's a lot to carry crowd wise. So um, you know, I tell a lot of these stories and uh, going from kind of this and we'll build it out more. But a lot of the themes are kind of the same. And, you know, one of the things that I talked about recently on my, my shows in July was that when my daughter, you know, first got her period, my, my wife told me so nonchalantly, so nonchalantly, just brought up, hey, by the way, you know, Zoe, Zoe started her period. I was so caught off guard and, and, and so this emotionally devastated that I, that I started crying. And my wife was just so like taken aback by it. She's like, are you crying? I'm like, fuck yeah, of course I'm crying. Like this, you can't just say that shit to me. You can't just be like, oh yeah, by the way, Zoe started a period, no warning, no heads up. See to Renee, it was, it was nothing. It was just Zoe reaching that milestone, that partner life. For me, it was my little girl not being a little girl anymore in a certain way. You know, like I said, she's perpetually four years old in in my mind but with that that changes things right even though things weren't like immediately changing she wasn't going out and joining a biker gang or you know working at a strip club or you know anything like that she was just an 11 year old girl doing 11 year old girl things but in my mind I'm like this changes everything you know and I, I just wasn't prepared for it and my wife just leveled me with that shit whereas you know as a little boy when, when Atticus is on the cusp of puberty right now, and I think I'm actually more looking forward to him, him hitting that mark because of all the, all the bullshit I can give him. You know what I mean? Like when a boy goes through puberty, as opposed to a girl, there's, there's these things that happen and, and you know, no, no man is comfortable with period talk or, or those items that are required to maintenance that situation. And, and, and it's even worse coming from your daughter. You know, if, can you pick these things up? Sure, I can buy them. I, I'm a grown man. I'm comfortable in these things. But I don't want to talk about, you know, flow and mood swings and things of that nature. You know what I mean? Like, no man is comfortable talking about men menstruation, if you will. Now, as a boy, you don't have to worry about that. And boner jokes are always funny. You know what I mean? Like, I was telling the dude the other day, like, you couldn't, you have to, like, fight this kid to make him wear a pair of jeans. And I'm like, bro, 
in a very short amount of time, genes are going to be your best friend because once you hit puberty and your uh, body starts pumping testosterone, those random boners are going to happen, and there's nothing more embarrassing. You know, you always, he's always rocking athletic gear, you know, and say hey, he gets called up in front of his class and have to, to do something. He's got a pair of those gym shorts on. You know, uh, a, a early puberty boner will just bust right through that shit. And then next thing you know, you're you're in front of your class and you're 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 your chief strongbone, and you're screwed. That that's the kind of stuff that haunts you forever. So I told the man like a, a good a good solid pair of blue jeans, some strong denim will knock down those those missiles. You know that you got to protect yourself. You got you got to be thinking. You got to you got to almost pre-plan these things. You know, uh, pre uh, preempt them. That's that's the only way to survive this thing. And and then I, I told Renee there it is. Said you know what are you he's, he's right around the corner from taking those long ass showers. You know what he's doing in there. He's in there you know pulling on it and all all that kinds of shit. You know and she's just dying. But this is true. You know and I and I think it's funny. A little aside. You know like when you're a kid and you're going through that. I remember you know you learn you talk about it and sex ed and talking about masturbation and things like that. And when you're a kid, man, you don't want anybody knowing this thing it's like super taboo it's like hey man hey finley uh do you you jerking off no no i'd never do that bullshit man you know when you're when you're when you're a young thunder cat you're 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 weed whacking that thing you know three times a day just to try try to keep it all balanced out but it's like the the last thing you'd ever like you would go to a firing squad in in, in straight denial that you've never done that before right when you know Behind, you know, behind closed doors, you're just, you're, you're, you're delinquency. You're, 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 you're damn near perverted with the, the way you can sit with the way you approach this shit, man. Think about this. Ask yourself, reflect as I'm, as I'm telling the story. And I guarantee the people listening to this like, yeah, man, I, I, you'd be amazed what I stuck, the things around the house I stuck my dick in, you know, (laughs) you know, things like that. You, you get your head going. And uh, you just have so many hormones flying that you don't know what to do. You're not in your right mind. I wonder if there's ever been a, uh, you know, a like a Supreme Court precedent for somebody who's done some, you know, fucked up shit in that in that state and been like, man, I just it was pre it was early puberty, Your Honor. What could I do? And he's like, yeah, and if it's a male judge, they'd understand. Female judge probably wouldn't, but male judge would be like, yeah, I I I understand your your plight. <laughs> but you know what happens in you? Then you get my age, and it's like. It's random conversation topics, you know, like, I don't know what kind of friends you have, but, you know, and my group of friends, it'd be like, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to be 20 minutes late. Hey, I gotta, I gotta, you know, rub one down and then I'll, I'll head out. Shit like that. You know, I think Chris Rock had, I think it was Chris Rock had a stand-up, one of his stand-up specials, like the, the, the jerk before work, like, scream if you want, nobody's going to hear you. You know, like, it's funny because it's true, you know, like, it's just, it's just the way it goes, you know, and but when you're young, you don't want anybody knowing that. You don't want anybody having that that inkling, you know, because you're so embarrassed. And I think that's the thing about like stigmas, right? Uh, I, I find myself fascinated with them as I as I get a little older. And uh, and you know, you know, if you know me, you know I'm gonna be giving savage hell about this sh- about this shit, man. Is those showers get a little long? I'm busting through that door, you know. Uh, Cause he, it was funny. Cause he's had, you know, he's had his own room forever, but he'd never be up in that shit. And I'd tell him, like, man, I, I need, you know, if you're not gonna use that room, you know, dad, I'm gonna turn it into what my office. 
you know, my right in office, or I'm going to use it, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. And he was always like, yeah, 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 you know, he never seemed to care. Well, in the last year or so, he really seems to care now about having his own space and his own room, and that's going to be crucial, you know, like, uh, you know, keep an eye on those socks, <laughs> laundry day. <laughs> but that's just the kind of shit that, I mean, that's the, that's the funny shit. That's the funny shit about life that, you know, I... I, I always appreciate. I always find these little nuances that, that make me kind of laugh to myself. And, and now that I have this format, that's, that's the kind of things that I, I want to talk about. So, uh, you know, if you have a, a funny story, a pre, you know, uh, early puberty story that you want to share, there's a, there's a voice me- message link. At the beginning you uh, at the beginning of this show, you heard my, uh, the, the man himself, Carbach, Carbazel, uh, you know, calling in to, to, to wish the launch of the show a, a, a good run. And, you know, uh, that's my dude right there. He's back from the Flow Combat days. Carbaz is a, a, uh, a great dude, and I, I've been lucky to have a couple beers with him and sit and kick it with him when we were in the NYC. So, uh, yeah, uh, definitely do what he did. Subscribe and give us a listen. But definitely for this week, let's use uh, – I want to hear your stories, you know, the, your sound bites, because it's it's just fascinating. It's it's this like forbidden shit that we're not supposed to talk about, and then it could also be, you know, the I don't know, you know, times have changed so much. Maybe it's a more open conversation. But in the '80s, when I was growing up, it definitely wasn't, you know. But it was a different world in the '80s, bruh. It was different, man. I I think if if you weren't, you know, if, if there wasn't an attempt to kidnap or molest you in the did in the 80s were you did you even really grow up in the 80s bro it's like everybody in the 80s was either you know if if you didn't have a serious kidnap attempt or you know your uncle didn't make a run at you you know can you really say you grew up in the 80s i don't know but that's you know it was a different time and we're in different times now people identify as different things and that's a whole different episode so you as you as you parent you got to navigate these things you know, you got to navigate. Maybe your kid comes home one day and he's like, yo, dad, I, I identify as an 86-year-old man. And you got to say, okay, you know, you got to make your decisions. You got to, how, how's your tolerance going to go? You know, I mean, I think that, you, you know, people always say, or I've heard, you know, friends say like, you know, when, when Atticus or Zoe were little, like, what would you, so what would you do, bro? If, you know, I know, and I know Kevin Hart's catches some shit, but what would you do if your, your kids, you know, come to you and like, hey, dad, I'm gay. So what, man? You love them. You love them. And if, and if they're bisexual, it's like you have, look at, you have all the options in the world. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's tolerance. You love your kids for who they are. You know what I mean? That, and uh, But there are things you can shape. You know, I mean, there's, I do think there's some shit that, like, people totally let, you know, I, 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 I've had the, let me put this the best way I can put it. In parenting my kids, their friends who they've brought home over the years, I've definitely seen, you know, kids that have been lacking in the, in the love department or the, uh, the guidance department. And you know, that's the thing about kids, man. They're fucking resilient. Like kids, all kids want is, is love and your attention. That's all they really want. I mean, yes, do, you know, some kids grow up and they want the, the, the hottest fucking clothes or they want this, that, or the latest game or V-Bucks. But when you boil that shit down, all a kid really wants is your time and attention and to know that they're loved. So 
one of the things in parenting that I've stressed over the years, and, and it took Renee a while to get her head around it, but I really stress that kids need to see conflict and they need to see it resolved. So there's no fighting in my house behind closed doors. Renee didn't like that at first. She doesn't want, you know, she said they're kids. They don't need to hear our business. And that's true. They don't need to hear the finer parts of what the argument is about. But they do need to see two people. And if you're married, then you fucking know it's, there's gunfights on the reg. But kids need to see adults disagree and then come to a compromise. And, and the reason for this, what, what, what this concept was born out of for me, was just cause and effect. For instance, I remember... You know, coming home, uh, mom's in a bad mood uh, or just, you know, you could tell she's having an off day and I didn't pick something up or I didn't do what she asked me to. The next thing you know, she sees that and fucking goes off the rip on me. And and then I go to my, you know, and then my dad comes home and the next thing you know, they're in a fucking proper shootout. And I'm in my room thinking, man, if I had just done what she asked me to do, they wouldn't be fighting. I caused this whole thing. You know, dad storms out and he hits the, the, the watering hole and he's, he's drinking it up. And mom's at the house and she's fucking, you know, popping a few pills or doing whatever the fuck she's doing. But it's like, I feel like I caused it all. But in reality, as I got older, I, you know, and had kids of my own, I realized that me cleaning up or not cleaning up had fucking zero or fuck all to do with that situation what was going on between them was already lingering was carried over four or five times four or five different arguments and my shit my failure to clean up the toys just kind of triggered uh what was already existing so when you know my dad comes home and here's my mom yelling at me and he's like hey you know let, let you know it's not that big a deal and she goes off the fucking deep end where i'm going to my room and and and, and blaming myself because that's what children do. Kids blame themselves for things. So it was all unnecessary. You know, it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with their relationship. So I, it, it's always been big for me to make sure that these kids know that what, what we're fighting about isn't about you. Yes, should you clean your fucking room up or should you clean up the loft? Should you do those things? Absolutely. But is it because are we fighting because you didn't clean up the loft or you didn't do your laundry? No, we're not. That's something that exists between your mother and I. So so for them to know that it's not their fault is huge with me. And Renee is just not that type of, you know, arguer where she felt very comfortable in that. And, you know, 20 years on, you know, it's like second nature to her because, you know, I, I'm a conflicting kind of guy so I'm built for arguing and um yeah and it just took her a while to wrap that around but then these children have grown up to be excellent communicators and I'm not saying they're grown like oh they've grown up to be but even at 16 and 11 they can communicate and they have been able to for years they can communicate their emotions if there's a problem you come talk to us and we'll resolve it because I'm at the very base of who I am I'm a resolutionist I don't I'm not going to be mad for days on end about something. I'm if something comes up, we're going to resolve it and then move on. You know, time is too precious to to fuck around and be mad. Now my wife is the opposite. If she is angry or upset about something and most women I have this gene where they could be mad for days and, and carry it out like a sentence, you know, like, you know, it's a famous thing, you know, hey baby, what's wrong? Nothing. 
come on, I know, you know, just saying, just hearing him say nothing, you fucking know, like, that's just like, that's like taps being played, you know, death is around the corner and lurking, but, you know, for me, I want to, you know, shoot it out, get it done, uh, you know, lock the door, sit down, knock it out, and then go, then get back to being happy, that's the way I see it, so, you know, that, that's the way we decided to parent and it, it's yielded some amazing things, you know, and I've always held this, this open door policy where, you know, there's, I'm not perfect. Your mother's not perfect. So if there's something that you have a, uh, something you want to challenge, something you don't agree with, then feel free, feel free to bring it to the council, bring it to the table, but be prepared. You know, we're not going to suffer fools here in this, this tribunal, so if, uh, you know, if you're just coming to try to weasel out of something, then, then you're screwed. But if you do not like the way something was said or something was handed down or you, you disagree, then feel free to, to challenge that and discuss it. And I'll tell you, it's, 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 it's yielded some, some pretty awesome conversations. And it's been cool to watch how these, these kids process things in their minds. So, you know, that, that approach, I know, like, for instance, another thing that we, we agreed on very young, just like we talked about the open door policy with, with arguing was, you know, one phrase that is not allowed to be said in this household is because I said so. It's a cheap bullshit way out. It's like a trumped up charge when mom, dad's having a bad day. Uh, hey, why can't I go, you know, camping with my boyfriend, blah, blah, because I said so. You know, that's, that's, that's absolute bullshit. You know, you have to be able to give a reason for it. Say, okay, well, I don't feel that you're ready to, uh, you know, go camping. There's not enough supervision, yada, yada. In this case, you know, um, I say this because my daughter's about to go camping. There is plenty of supervision and, and, and she's, her character's, you know, miles of trust and, uh, and I, and I don't worry about it. You know, and if I, if you, if I was doing this podcast 10 years ago when she was six and I say, man, I'm just going to, when she's 16, I'm going to let her go camping with her boyfriend. I'd be like, fuck you. That's never going to happen. But here we are, you know, like, uh, you, you have to change. And the one thing about my daughter that I can say, and that I've always said publicly is, you know, you, you have to learn, when you're when you have a teenager, you have to learn. At least for me, I I had to learn to get out of the way. You know, I I had to learn to step aside, and and that's the hardest thing to do because you love them so much and you want to be this major figure in their life, but you have to learn to just get out of the way. I mean, all these wonderfully wonderful and magical things I want her to experience. The first everything, kiss, you know, love. Uh, Heartbreak, you know it. All of it. They they need to experience in it, and 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 she, she's such a passionate, uh, empathetic person that she she she. I always call it the the Darth Vader situation, and whenever I reference Lord Vader, my daughter always knows. But what I mean by that is, uh, you know, I. She's 16 years old. I've never searched her room. I've never gone through her phone. I've never gone through her laptop. I've never invaded her privacy because she's never given me a single reason to do so. And what I mean by that is I've never seen her in 16 years make a decision, make a play, do something that was out of her character or influenced by someone else and you can tell man you know your if, if you pay attention to your children then you know who they are you know what they're about and and you would know you would see them do something that is just not of their character 
And I've never seen that from Zoe. So that's the deal. You hold up your end of the bargain. You, you kick ass and fully commit to the things that you're doing. Uh, you're passionate and you, you hold that bar. Hey, man, that's your like if you're if you're an adolescent in, in school and you're in extra extracurriculars, those are your jobs. I don't want you, you know, going out looking for work and all that shit. Your mom and I will take care and make sure you have everything you need. You uphold your end of the bargain. On the flip side, socially and, and the person that you are, you also have to uphold your character. And that's that's the most important. So if I see you doing that and I see you staying in that lane, then you will forever retain my trust. Now, if I see you you curve and swerve out of that lane, then you got a fucking problem. And that's not a problem you want. I mean, ask ask my son. He, I get my mail in his ass. You know, like the mailman just delivers, delivers it right there. And I do that because he's way more like me than she is. He's like a little carbon copy of me. And I know how much of a handful I was. And Atticus even at a young age, is a master manipulator. I mean, he's a habitual line stepper. Like, he will test the waters just to test them. A young Zach Morris, if you will. And I got to say, I'm proud of him. I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about the uh, bring, you know, bring shit to the table situation. Atticus will bring shit to the table just to see if he can talk his way through it. And, you know, I don't always like it, but God damn it, you got to respect that. You got to respect that hustle. And that kid is hustle for days. I mean, when you watch him do things like sports and whatnot, then you understand that you'll, you can see it outright. And, and you, can see, you can see those things at play. But if you, if you hear him talk and you see him trying to make a move like that, you're like, God damn. You know, like I said, you don't always like it. And, and sometimes it's annoying, but you have to respect it. And, and, I, and I do. I respect his hustle. So... You know, the Darth Vader situation is this. You know, you have to be, as a father, you know, you think of life as like a movie, right? Where, you know, there's, there's screen time. And, and, and at the beginning, the first act of the movie, you are a major, as the dad, you are a major, major character in the, in the, in the story. You have a lot of screen time. You're in all the situations. All the arcs revolve, uh, involve you and things of that nature. Now, as things shift to the second act, the teenage years, then your character kind of plays the background a little bit. And that's why I, I, I refer to, to, to Vader. Because, in, you know, and that's why I tell her, I said, you want New Hope Vader. You know, you got, you know, in New Hope, Vader has a lot of screen time, but he's kind of floating through things, force choking a person here or there. But it's generally all good, you know. There's other things going on. Vader's not that, you know, he's, he's the... He's a crazy, you know, he's a crazy Sith master of the universe, but and a and a total badass. But you don't really see that now. What you don't want is Empire Vader. Empire Vader is a whole different cup of tea, and that's not the shit you want. So I always tell Zoe, I was like, hey, and Atticus, like, look, you want New Hope Vader. You don't want Dad turning into Empire Vader because then it's a whole other situation. I'm cutting off hands. I'm revealing that they're adopted. Who knows? You know, like, it'll, it'll, shit'll get crazy, but. That only comes if trust is breached. And to this point, you know, I can, I can honestly and happily say that it's never been. So I, I, I'm super happy about that. And, you know, with the open, open door policy, there's just no reason to lie. I am way more, I am way more understanding if you, if you just come and I don't have to sift through your bullshit. But see, like with Atticus, Atticus has the, 
interrogation skills of of a of a Taliban fighter where he's been trained in in uh in in misdirection. You know, like it's you he jumps storylines so many times. You gotta if you don't catch him on the on the beat, then he will lead you far off into misinformation, you know, for, for days and, and, and your whole operation screwed. But if you catch him jumping, then you'll know, you know, and you don't have to waterboard him as much. Not that I, you know, uh not that I uh condone such behavior, but you know, I got a bucket in the garage if if, if shit gets nasty. You know, don't don't make me get the jump cables out. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, bro? But um but yeah, so honesty is the best policy. Now, is that always what happens, man? No, they're fucking kids. So shit's gonna happen, you know. But if if with Atticus, like I said, since he's a little me, I can always tell. I can always tell when 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 shit's sideways, you know. And then it's just like parents can't say in this house because I said so. Children cannot say I don't know. Why did you do that? I don't know. Bullshit, man. You know exactly why you did it. You're just trying to weigh out whether or not how bad your answer is gonna get you in trouble or not. That's truth. So just come with it. You know, like 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 my man Zach De La Roca say, come with it now. You know, that's what you got to do. So, you know, parenting, the journey. And I will say, a recent family trip to Gatlinburg told me a lot about my family. And, I, I, and, I, and I'm fucking just, you know, I'm just so overjoyed and so happy with how things are man but like it's the little things when you're in constant reflection or observation the way i am you know that's my curse of the world i'm an observationist you know i i have a skill set that you know my and my brain is wired in such a way that that's what i'm supposed to do with my time on this trip around you know this this trip around the biocentric loop called life and this run I'm documenting things, and, and I've been able to communicate those things and chop through them and look, look for the gem and all the rubble, you know. And I will say that, you know, watching my family interact and how, how we move as a unit, I'm, I'm so fucking happy with where things are. I, I just I, I couldn't be happier with, with things, you know. And, uh, and that's just, that's just such, such a joy, you know, not to sound cliche or like fluttery or flowery, but man, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't, you know, I, you know what I said earlier about kids need love and attention. When I was a kid, I had dreams and I chased those dreams, obviously, but I didn't wish, you know, I didn't ask the universe for a big ass house and five cars and a boat and, and all this shit. No, man. No, I asked the universe that if I did my part, you know, just to have security, to be able to give my kids security and warmth and, 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 and to find love and to grow that seed. That's what I asked the universe for the ability to. And man, I will tell you, you know, we live in a very nice place in Fishers, Indiana. It's, you know, constantly rated as one of the best places to raise a family. You know, pat on, pat on the back. But I have a... I have a, a nice house. Is it as big as other people? I know, no, but I don't give a fuck, man. It's our house. And we have our own cars. And we have, my, ki- my kids have security. They don't have to worry about moving every six months like I had to. They don't have to worry about the power staying on, what, what we can do. They don't have to, you know, there's not, there's not one can of fucking evaporated milk in, in our pantry. 
evaporated milk and, and, and my and my my folks that grew up poor like me they know you know you know what fucking evaporated milk looks like and tastes like it's crazy but that was my life growing up my kids don't have to deal with that my kids there's multiple bathrooms in this house here <laughs> you know it's it's crazy I did I got everything that I that I asked for and I couldn't be more grateful but what I have more than anything is love, bro. My brothers and sisters, I, I'm surrounded by so much love that it's, it's, it's insane. And it's something that I stay in constant gratitude for. I am so thankful and grateful to have this wonderful family that loves me, that, that shows that love. I mean, we're huggers, man. Us Finleys, if you you know if you know us in real life and not just listen to, uh, like podcast or the articles, but man, I if I love you, I tell you I love you. You don't ever have to quit. You'll never not know if I care about you. If I think you're an asshole, you'll probably know that too, and that's okay. Like that's your business, and we'll talk about that other shit and reactions and emotions and a whole different podcast. What I'm talking about is just love, man. And I have it. My kids show it. I show it. My wife shows it. We're a loving bunch. And I'm just crazy grateful for it. Crazy. But anyway, before I you know, get too sidetracked, this trip to Gatlinburg, one moment that really told me you know, about my family unit was we, uh, Renee decided that we should go whitewater rafting as a family. And at first I was like, yeah. But then I, I'm so thankful that we did because it was like level four. I think you can go like level six. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy, but it definitely presented some challenges. And what was funny is everyone by, by, the, by, by the end of this run through this river in Tennessee, we really showed, everybody really showed their character and where they, where they fit in this family. And I think it's just such a unique and awesome thing. Like, like for instance, so, you know, the guy's talking, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, we're going to need strong row, strong rowers up front, you know, uh, steer, blah, blah. And, you know, since I'm up front, you know, as El Capitan, you know, cause like, like I've, I've told my kids forever, you know, like I'm not your fucking friend. I'm not, I'm the captain of this team, you know, like we need to have a rapport and I love you, but you know, we're, we're it's not my job to be your friend. I'm your father. So, you know, El Capitan is, you know, up front. And then, you know, he suggested the other strong rower. So, you know, here comes Sav. Savage from the back saying, you know, he, you know, he lifts weights. He's a bomb ass football player, basketball, Mr. Athlete, everything. He's like, Dad, you know, I'll sit up with Dad and I'll, I'll row. My daughter's like, nah, bruh, I got this, dog. Just take a seat back there. I, I, I'll hold this shit down. And at first I was like, okay, Zoe's a band kid. You know, she doesn't do any sports anymore, and, you know, she's, she's into music and arts and those things, and Sav, I can see Sav's face like she, like, like she wasn't going to be able to handle it. Brothers and sisters, dude, let me tell you, this kid straight up murked that shit. She rocked that rowing job like nobody's business. So you have me up front rowing my chubby ass off, Zoe up front doing the damn thing. You have Renee behind me. You know, shot calling, which is true to life. And then you have Sav on the other side, rowing his little ass off, but bringing levity to the situation. You know, constant comic relief, uh, cutting up the whole time. 
but doing the job. So we get down this river. We went through, you know, the rapids, through the, the turns and everything. And and it was just funny to see the dynamic, you know. Uh, you know, my wife has one of the most unmistakable laughs in the history of human laughter. And, you know, she's dying behind me, uh, having a great time. Sav's, you know, chatting with the guide, you know, like busting jokes. Zoe's like focused eyes on the prize, getting us there, going to do the damn thing. And, you know, I just, it's just something that I'll never forget. And I'll always be grateful for it. And I just, just the dynamic of our family really, really showed. So another thing, uh, as far as parenting goes, I remember when we you know, made the decision to have our first child, you know, one of the, the serious discussions we had was, you know, how we were going to parent and, you know, if we were going to spank our child. You know, Renee was super against it. I wasn't. I, you know, I, I, I got beaten. I got beat everywhere. Walmart, Kmart, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, Dairy Queen, you name it. I got my ass kicked there by my by my mother or my grandmother. Um, my dad was never ruled too quick to it, but dad was also that guy. You just He's a big bear of a man. You just don't ever piss off. So if you pissed off Big Joe... You know, you know, you're in for one. So, you know, she's like, I don't believe in spanking. I said, well, we have a daughter and I don't imagine that'll come into play. But we just we can't say we can't rule it out. You know, I some of the best people I know got got their asses worn out when they were kids, you know, and that's just a fact. It, it, it shit happens and you need to be able to, to go there. I can I can honestly say in 16 years, I've never had to spank my daughter. Uh, I probably had to raise my voice with her twice. I probably had to have a stern conversation with her once. But all in all, it's been smooth sailing, and, and, and that's that's pretty crazy when you look at the grand scale of things. Atticus-wise, shit, man. That kid's 11. I tell you what, like, I, I have, I've had to snatch that kid up. Not so much anymore, man. I would honestly say in the last, since he's been, like, eight, like, we just, we, we, I don't even shout at him anymore. We, we, we have conversations. I cannot stress this enough about communication and, 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 and not doing shit out of anger. Like my mom would beat my ass out of pure frustration. It had nothing to do with me. It was something about, you know, granted she had a, you know, a mental condition and she was sick as, as years went on, but she would wear me out over frustration. And then she'd always feel guilty about it. Right. She'd always come back. Oh, I'm baby. I'm sorry. Blah, blah. You know, that's wrong. You can't take out your fucking anger on your kids. And I know a, a lot of people do, you know, and I'm not judging. I'm just saying, you know, it's fucking wrong. Don't do it. But now if a kid, if you told the kid once, twice, and the kids blatantly not listening and time out and taking things away aren't working, then motherfucker, it's time to get up in that ass. It's time to say, it's time to draw the line and give a proper beating. You know what I mean? And I'm not, but like I said, you know, I may catch some flack from the, the sensitive types out there, but I'm not, I'm saying, do not take out your personal frustration. I'm saying guidelines. You can only tell the kids no so many times before, before you're just wasting your words and they have the upper hand. I'm saying a, to, to fear is a healthy thing in that situation. They have to fear the consequence. I'm not saying Lord fear over them because then you become a bully. And I will tell you this. Kids who have bullies as parents become bullies themselves. And there's zero tolerance for that shit around me, man. Like, I can't stand it. If, if, if you're a bully in real life, then fuck you. That's just all there is to it. Like, like you, but I guarantee you learn that behavior from your parents and your kids have picked up that behavior from you. Like, look, you need to address that situation. That There's just no room for bullying anymore. I tell you what, I've been in more, like, 
I, I'm impossible. I was impossible to bully, and I, I wasn't the biggest kid, but I was scrappy as shit, and I'm still scrappy, man. Like it, it doesn't. I think that's probably my only hang-up is I'm so quick. If you want, if you want that with me, if you want static and smoke from me, I mean, it's easy to get. Like you know, I, I don't have a, a, a lot of fuse that you have to mess with lighting. You know, you can just if you if you want that, then you can sure enough come get it, and I'll oblige you. But I've been in more physical conflict in my life because of something I seen ha- I saw happening to another human being who could not defend themselves and something that was just downright wrong and they and the people involved knew it was wrong but they still were doing it I've been in more bullshit defending people than I ever had with me and as far as my kids go you know I think it it, it somebody tried to bully my daughter in like sixth grade that ended that ended it is quicker than it started you know, my kids are, I taught my kids from a very young age, look, like your, your space, people can, words are words, words don't hurt, but you go directly at what's coming at you. There's no running, there's no hiding, you, just, you go directly at the problem, and the problem goes away, it, it does. And, and like I said, you know, Sav is more than capable of taking care of himself, and, but he's got a good heart. So, like I said, you know, there's, there's just ways you have to talk to your kids. You know, you know it's no, there's no woody-woo, like, hey, be a hard-ass, blah, blah. Come on, man. The toughest people I know don't, you know, you don't have to, you, you know, working with professional fighters and even people that, are, that were never professional fighters, the toughest people I know have good hearts. But it's like if you're going to make them not, you know, like, like Roadhouse, be nice until it's time to not be nice anymore. So, you know... You look at that and you look at who they become and how they handle conflict. They, they learn that from you. And, and that's from an open, you know, and I, like I said, the best way to do this is a open communication. Like people are going to try to pull your card. People are going to bring unnecessary drama and bullshit. It's, it's on you with how much you are picking up. Like you have to allow it. You have the power to control what does and does not affect you. That's the truth. That's some of the truest things, truest words I've ever read on paper. And that's from Richard Bach in this amazing book, Illusions. I highly recommend it. You have the power to choose what does not does not affect you. Think about this. How many times have, you know, you been having a good day or whatever, and then a family member will call you, hey, so-and-so, you know, this person, yada, yada, bullshit, da-da-da-da, and you feed into it. Next thing you know, you're like, why is all this drama and chaos? Well, because you allowed it in. You co-signed on that shit. You may not realize that you did, but you absolutely did. And once you realize that you're part of the problem, then you have to remove yourself. It happens to me all the time. You know, I will be going about my business. I'll realize that maybe I'm getting a little worked up about something that I don't need to get worked up. Maybe I'm getting a little crazy. Maybe I'm allowing some people to have rent-free space in my head. And I'll remove myself from it. And then I always find out once I do that and I remove myself from it and I'm not giving the other side of things the, the payoff that they need, then they'll, they'll reach out to me and they'll still try to stir it up. And, you know, I, I, I you know, like, like George Bush said, shame, shame, fool me once, shame, shame on me. Fool me twice, oh, you're, you're not going to fool me again. <laughs> w. But, no, it's, it's on us to recognize those things. And if it becomes problematic, then you may have to forcibly tell the parties involved like hey like stop fucking knocking on my door you know let that shit ride go take that somewhere else you know i'm 40 years old and that's something i still have to work on but 
once you teach your kids about what they choose to involve themselves in, it becomes crucial. You get to you can watch them navigate the waters of you know preteen or teenage life, especially as a girl or you know a, a, a young boy. You know you you can watch them just let the bullshit go. You know, and as I said, my daughter's 16 and she lives a drama free, a damn near drama free existence, man. As a high school girl, whoo, shit, she should get a gold medal for navigating those treacherous waters. But that's what you have to do. You have to, they're not going to come to that realization on their own. You have to explain it to them. And, and I understand that by my reaction sometimes to things that, you know, my children see that. And thank goodness they're a little older and they can say, man, dad's acting a fool or whatever. But they also realize that I'm a hard on my sleeve type of guy. And I, I'm easily kind of triggered, you know. And that's another thing is like with kids talking about like safe, safe spaces and all this bullshit. I mean, the only safe space I ever had growing up was wherever I could hide and not. I knew it, wherever I could hide where my grandma and mother couldn't get to me. That was a safe space. I mean, we, we can't be so, we can't, we can't use kids, you know, kitty gloves and, you know, plastic wrap with these kids. You know, you have to have frank conversations. You have to have real conversations. I mean, I remember one of the best conversations I ever had with my daughter. She was eight years old and talking about clothes or something. And we took a walk outside and I said, so we looked down the street. We live in a nice little neighborhood. I said, look down the street. Look at all these cars. Look at these houses. Look at all this stuff. I said, nobody owns any of it. It's all leased out. It's all on paper. It's all people paying to have these things. But they don't own any of this shit outright. So somebody made a decision because that's what they want to show. That's what they want the appearance to be. You have to decide if that's who you want to be. Do you want to have all this nice shit and barely keep your head above water? Or do you want to take the few things you have and, and own that shit and rock them comfortably and have the peace of mind to know that you earned them and that you're not, on, you're not indebted to anyone because of it? And man, you know, she took that little life lesson and she's run with it. And it's been awesome to watch that become part of her character. You know, Zoe's not impressed with, and Atticus the same, you know, they're not impressed with, you know, nice cars and blah, blah. There's, that, that shit has no value to them. But what does have value is tr- little, little trips and experiences. You know, not going to fucking the Dominican Republic or Disney World, but just a little four-day jog down to Gatlinburg and getting to ride goat carts and go on a hike and, you know, rafting with their with their folks. You know, this is we're still at this little window where, you know, Renee and I still get some playing time. And I know it all comes back when the kids go to college like that and they'll need us again. But right now they're entering these 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 waters or you know, this jungle of their life where their friends are, you know, super important and their world becomes really they don't realize how small, like how much how small it is, but it becomes really big and, and vibrant and intense to them. So everything feels so urgent and immediate. And you know, it wasn't all that long ago when we were there. So you know, Renee and I are on the younger side of parents. So like, I can I can respect it, but I can also let them know that this isn't this is somewhat of an illusion. It feels real. It feels intense, but it's it's not what you think. And once you get a little bit beyond the trees and you look back, you'll say, damn, that was a really short window. It really wasn't that big a deal. 
But man, did it feel like it. It sure did. It sure felt like it was life or death, but it's not. Nothing ever is. And that's a pretty awesome thing. To, to be able to take these little minds and talk about pers- perspective and perception and, and, and what's real and, what, and the value of things. And again, I keep using the word gratitude, you know, but it's the truth. I'm fucking grateful to have these kids that I can have conversations with, can have dope ass conversations. And if you need to have a tough talk, you're not sitting there saying, hey, I'm talking to you. Get off your phone, man. They, they lock in. They make eye contact. They, have, they converse. And it's a beautiful fucking thing. So, you know, not to get wine, winding this shit down. I was gone for a long time. There was a point during this hiatus or self-imposed exile where I didn't think I ever really needed to express myself again. You know, I had written for so long, I'd, I'd gained respect. The things I'd captured were fantastic. But when, the, when what happened happened and the impasse and the, 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 the gyre was created, I didn't really feel like I had the effort to really traverse that again. But what woke me back up was... Something I remembered from my late great friend Josh Saman, former UFC fighter, just all around amazing guy. And his big thing was, you know, what is your verse? Everybody has a verse. What is yours? Pretty much what he's saying is, what do you have to say? Everybody should have something to say. What do you have to say? And it dawned upon me that I had so much left to say. And I, and I had built this audience that, w- that was waiting for me to say something because they enjoyed the way I presented certain topics. And, man, I will tell you, uh, you know, I referenced earlier in the show about doing the, the live engagements, and that's what I felt, man, was that the love was tremendous, that these people all, you know, paid, bought tickets, showed up, to have a night, you know, they got a babysitter, they, 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 they changed, they, they, they made plans, they, they went out of their way to come spend an evening with me because they just wanted to hear me talk, they wanted to share in the experience, and you think about that, that's not something everybody gets, you know, like, most motherfuckers, like, drum around their house and sit down and their family just mills by them and nobody talks to them and you know maybe they got a buddy or two they have a beer with and it's just that but my life's different my life has been built for expression it's to observe and consume and then to bring that back out bring out the the lesson of what i learned and i found out over the years that people enjoy that people enjoy my 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 mode my vehicle and how I and how I get it done so I realized that in this absence that I still had so much to say and so much that I, I that needed to be heard at least I don't care if one person listens to this I don't care if a million people do like I need it because it's my way of giving back to everybody I've taken from and as I said in the, at the live shows that 
if I've encountered you in my life in any form or fashion, I promise you I've taken something from those interactions, something from your personality. And if it's people that I've, I have a relationship with, that means that I found something fascinating in you and something worthwhile. And, and I've, I've taken it and I've observed it and I've appreciated it. And this is my way of giving back. And I can only hope that the things that I've put out there, that it helps somebody, that, that somebody's taken from that. And maybe it makes, you know, maybe you laugh or maybe there's something that you're like, man, I never fucking thought of it that way. Or maybe, you know, you're like, hey, I shouldn't do this. Or, you know, maybe I'm going to try that approach to, you know, parenting and, and, you know, things like that. That's how this shit goes around. That's how, you know, that's how we we fill this thing out, this, this life thing. And that's pretty fucking cool, man. That's pretty fucking cool. So... I realize that I still have so much more to say. I finally found a platform where I can do so. And I'm fucking stoked. I, I haven't been this excited in a long time. I mean, to get back into MMA, you know, the, the Tuesday shows, the MMA shows, to get back into something I was so ingrained in and get, and look at it with new eyes is, is fucking off the charts for me. I'm, I'm so excited. But... That alone would have been, would not have been enough to get me back into doing anything. I do not do well with structure. I need to do my own shit. I need to be able to do things the way I want to do them. And I finally found a platform where I can. And it is so liberating. And it, it has me so plugged in that I'm excited again, man. I'm excited Hopefully you hear that. Hopefully you can feel that in, in these episodes. And like, like I said, you know, leave the link, soundbite. Let me know if there's, if there's shit. If you have a question for me that you want me to address on air, I certainly will. You know, hit up, hit up and leave that question and I'll play it. But this is the beginning of a journey. And again, the, the last time I'll use it on this episode, but I'll use it plenty fucking more is gratitude. You know, you live in gratitude. I think that's that's necessary. It's a necessary part of a happy life is to be grateful for the things you have. Grateful for the you know failures too. Be grateful for all of it. To live in perpetual gratitude, you cannot go wrong. So thanks, my friends. Thanks for our sponsors that you, you've heard throughout this motherfucker. I, I appreciate it. More to come, bigger and better every week. But thank you. Thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for believing in me, and thanks for the love you've always given me. I'll catch you next time around this motherfucker. I'm out. It's always easier to lead in with a song. That's what I think. You know, instead of, you know, hey, 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 welcome back, or some cheesy-ass shit, just to let a song lead you in and kind of set the tone. Anyway, welcome back into the ether. I'm your host, Dwayne Finley. Hopefully... Y'all had a good Labor Day weekend. You know, I know a lot of people went and grilled out and, you know, put back a couple coldies. Social hour, all good. Uh, I had a great weekend. Kids had a great weekend. Got to see some friends. And, and you know, and uh, it was an important weekend, friendship-wise. So, you know, it made me realize a few things. And that's what inspired me to make that. What we're going to talk about today, the, you know, the topic, we're going to talk about friendship, bonds, 
toxic masculinity. <laughs> you know, I hate doing like buzzword shit, but I just, I just, there's some things that you, you see, you know, as, especially as you get older, you know, you see things that are changing and shaping up and then, and I, I constantly find myself not quite understanding what the big deal is on things, but I also get, you know, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm just, as I said before in other shows, I'm just, an, I'm an observer and sometimes shit gets my attention that makes me react or makes me jump in or intervene. But most times I, I try to weigh things out. You know, I try to look at, a, you know, the situation from both sides of things, you know, and, you know, for instance, like, you know, uh, you know, coming up on 20 years of marriage, you don't make 20 years without being able to say you're sorry. And I'm not that big of a dick where I don't say that. Now, sometimes, you know, but just what happens my wife is the opposite. She doesn't like to say sorry. So sometimes I find myself, you know, kind of swallowing shit to just get on to a better day. You know, that just uh, those are the sacrifices you make in this grand thing called matrimony. But no, I, I, I've been thinking about friendships a lot. And, uh, and I'm lucky, man. I'm, a, I'm blessed in that, in that category. Because I still have the same core group of friends that I've had since I was, you know, six years old. And then I just, I've built off that. There, there are other people that are in my life that have been, become great friends, family, if you will, that I've known a far lesser time. But the people that were always there from the beginning have stayed there and I've stayed there for them. And then you just kind of build that circle out. But then sometimes... You got to pare that shit down. Sometimes you have to pare your circle down and kind of cut a few things out. You know, it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty simple thing to care and, and to do your part. But then other times, you know, I mean, life's busy. We don't always have time to cater to other people. And I think most people get that. You know, I think most people do. But then sometimes, you know, when somebody really needs something and we're not there for them, that's how divisions are created. You know, nobody. This is something I found out, you know, and, and I'm going to touch on this in a later episode. I didn't feel like I was in too good. Of, I'm in too good a mood to talk about mental health because that gets pretty, um, pretty gray and zapping. But I will say this. If somebody needs help or they need, you know, an uplift or they need just warmth that they can't that they can't find. They're not going to ask for it. They're not. They're they we 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 cower away from these things. We we find corners and we shut the world out. We shut the world out and we get kind of wrapped in our own feelings and, and that's true, man. You know, it doesn't have to be depression or grief or something, but it's just I'm saying circumstance. We're not going to come out there and be like, man, love me. Hey, everybody, can you just give me a hug? Or can somebody, you know, just sit and listen to me? Who's going to ask for that shit? So as friends, know, pay attention. Know when you're somebody you care about needs that. And I promise you, it's not going to be easy. They, at first, they probably, you know, rebuff you and be like, ah, man, nah, I'm cool. But you'll be able to know. And that's not even, and that's not prying. I'm not saying getting in the details of anybody's business. I'm saying you just know when the people that you care about aren't exactly okay. 
And it's okay to not be okay. That's what I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I preach this. Because it just, to act like you are, when you're really struggling inside and you're really fighting some kind of battle, and then to, you know, put on a f- brave front, I get that. We've all done it. But you also need that release. You need to heal. You need your friends, man. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a group of people around me and in my life or in, in networks, so to speak, in today's parla- parlance of these times that, that, I, that I can call on or that, that'll check on me. You good? You all right? No. I'm not okay. Okay, cool. Let's get together and talk. And that's what we do. I think everybody needs it. I think everybody needs those those bonds. You really do. It really builds. You know, I look at the guys that I've been friends with for, you know, I just turned 40 this year. You can probably hear the old in my voice. Um, I, I look at these friends that I've had for 35 years, and, man, I love those motherfuckers. There's, like, there's not a, there's not a, like, a, a, a correct description of a word that encapsulates how I feel about these guys. You know, they were there for me through so much, and I've been there with them for so much from having nothing, growing up poor. Now we're all, now really we're all in different parts of the country. That's what's crazy about it is we don't even really see each other that much. And, you know, uh, we don't text or we don't call that much, but when we do, you know, it's not that the real friendships don't need maintenance. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, okay. You know, you didn't call me on Tuesday. All right, man. You know, I got some friends I haven't seen in, you know, a year, year, year or two. But when I do see them, it's on. You know, it's great. We pick right back up where we left off. You know, and I know if I needed anything, anything in the world, they'd be there for me. And if they need anything from me, I'd be there for them. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, I got to add this on a personal, you know, uh, since I'm talking about bonds. I recently reconnected with a very important person. That, and, and like, if, if you look at your life as a story, right? Let's say I'm, you know, four chapters into this story per decade. If you look at, you know, my overall story and my journey, a very important person that played a huge role in my life at a certain time has recently come back into my life. And it's been the most wonderful thing. You know, it's got me kind of baffled thinking like, man, how did I, how did I not reach out to him earlier or how did I not reconnect? And, you know, I'm talking about, a, uh, he, he was my, uh, coach in my, my latter, latter years of high school, Kirk Herring. And, you know, we, we had a great bond back then. And, you know, he was one of the few people that really straight shot me that, that really, really took the time. I mean, we, we, he just, it was a great student teacher kind of bond, man. And he understood that I was going, like he could, he could understand that maybe shit in my family life wasn't quite right, but he never imposed to ask, you know, or to, to, to make judgment. He would, you know, he'd know if there's times, you know, I'm the last out of the locker room and, you know, and he's got, you know, he's got a wife to get home to. He's got things to do, but he would stay and talk. He would stay and talk, you know, because I didn't want to go home to bullshit. You know, and I hate to, you know, I hate to, you know, discount my own, you know, my own background or environment, but there was just a lot of bullshit, 
I didn't want to go home to it. I didn't want to go home to the fights. I didn't want to go home to the drama. I didn't want to be around it. So I stayed out, you know, stayed out in, in, in what made sense. And then, you know, this man would stay after and talk to me. This man would see the decisions I was making like, yo, Dwayne, Dwayne, you're not making good decisions. You know, when everybody else was just, it was just kind of me against the world kind of thing. I had coach, you know, and, and, and he did a lot for me. He did a lot to, you know, athletically keep me on, you know, with direction and guidance there. But, you know, he carried into my life. So reconnecting now, it's been amazing. He's got two awesome kids that are, you know, in high school. And, you know, him and, eight, uh, him and his wife are, you know, still going strong. And it, it's, it's wild to see him on, like, kind of that part of, part of his journey where I was when I first met them, you know, with, with their kids. And it's wild because I have my kids now, and like it was, it's great. Like we we reconnected, and then they came out to, you know, see uh, see Atticus play basketball this this summer, and I, you know, and then they met the family at home, and I did my my shows. It was great, man. It's been a it's been an awesome thing to reconnect. And then whenever I whenever I make a trip home now, I I, I hit up Kirk, and like we we have lunch, or it's funny because he always pays. He won't let me pay. Even when he was out here, he would not let me pay. That's a good dude. That's a good dude. But no, I love him. Uh, I love that family and those people with all my heart. And it's great to reconnect, you know, reconnect. And, and when we reconnected uh, and we were hanging out, he asked, you know, some questions that he never had the answers to. Like why maybe I did a certain thing or maybe what I was really going through at a certain time that he kind of, you know, he kind of remembered wasn't quite there, and you know we went and talked about it, and it, and uh, yeah, man, it wasn't easy, but it was funny because you know my son was there, and it, and you know, it, and with the our relationship was always just kind of a ball busting one, and he's just you know made fun of the fact that I couldn't tackle in high school, I couldn't, and and <laughs> hell of an offensive player, the worst defensive player. In the history of high school football, I mean, I could, I can't say that. I, I was good in pass coverage. I went tackling nobody, and for an aggressive kid, I was super aggressive. I just did not like to tackle. I don't know what it was. Didn't have the frame for it. I don't think. Either way, I mastered this Olay technique. <laughs> not fundamentally sound, but it worked sometimes. When it worked, it worked. When it didn't, it didn't. But. Getting back on track, that's what I'm saying about uh, bonds, you know. I'm constantly in appreciation of the, the friendships I have. Uh, I'm try, I try to take the best care. Sometimes things don't work out between people. Time, sometimes shit gets involved or shit gets just distorted, you know. And it's okay. It's okay to cancel and quit and, you know, trim things out. I'm sure, you know, I've trimmed people out. I'm sure people have trim me out you know it's it's a it's a natural thing not everybody gets along not everybody's the same type of person you know not everybody can see things from a similar view or accept an opposite view you know people are who they are and however shaped them or whatever shaped them that's that's the, the scope they take on that's the stance or the point of view I try to keep it liquid. I really try to keep it, you know, flowing. You know, I, like I said, I have a two, I have a preteen and a teen, and their world is drastically different. 
than, than, than my world at their age. You know, I grew up in a small community. There were, you know, no, there, I'm sure there's plenty of people that turned out to be gay but, or, or were gay then, but there was no outed homosexuals where, you know, living, living, living out loud or living free, living the life they wanted to live, you know, and that'd be, that'd have been fine. But they're in a farming community like that, man, there's no way they'd have made it. And it's funny because I have a lot of diverse friends now that I've made in my life and they, and, you know, we'll be cutting it up and they'll say, you know, like, man, you, you definitely had to grow up around you know, black people or blah, blah, and it's like, no, I, I grew up poor, you know, and that's, that's a commonality, you know, it's not, it doesn't, not black, white, yellow, brown, red, it don't matter if you grow, poor is the ultimate equalizer, or the ultimate associate, associator, you know, anybody can understand that, I made a joke last, last uh, episode about evaporated milk, that's a real deal, but if you've ever tasted evaporated milk then you're a certain level you you have a certain level of poor experience you know and you hear people joke about like oh government cheese and shit that's a fact man like I, that fucking block was huge you know I had an uncle that used to you know trade you know work in food stamp like like uh like a hustle trading the purples dog <laughs> I don't know but I can look at that and laugh you know, I can look at that and laugh. I don't I don't hold it against anybody. You know, that my goldfish froze in the winter. Like I, I said, I, I, I make a joke and I made a joke in my, my live show saying that, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that my children live in a house where the stairs don't move. <laughs> Their pets don't die in the winter. You know, I that's I've done well. You know, in that regard. Don't have to worry about food. Don't have to worry about name brand shit. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. But real talk, some of those knockoff cere- breakfast cereals are better than uh, better than the, the name brand. And so is like the knockoff sodas. Yeah, and that's a funny thing, too. Talk about like time difference and what we know and things like that and generations. Like I remember, man, <laughs> fucking every house I ever went to growing up was loaded with soda you know orange pop fucking jolt cola if you believe it surge mountain dew coke pepsi yada yada i can say my my children i mean i don't know you know if they if they're out with friends if they (laughs) that's that's so fucked up i was about to say i don't know if they're out drinking soda with their friends thinking that they could be doing much worse things but you know i i can honestly say in my presence they probably had less than 30 sodas in their life. And I love soda. But I'm also chubby. And I think they're like, man, dad's chubby because he drinks Coke. You know? No, I'm chubby because I I like to eat now because I can't do the shit I want to do. <laughs> I can't do the shit my brain's impulsed to do. So I like to eat some foods. You know? It makes me happy. And you should do what makes you happy. I mean, not to that extent. Again, like I said, bad impulse, bad wiring. Uh, um, shit like that, you know? That's how it works. But I think that it's funny because, like, you know, you, you what was so accepted then, you look and now it's, you know, like, kids drink water. I mean, almond milk. <laughs> My daughter doesn't drink 
Regular milk. She drinks almond milk. Savage drinks almond milk. Wild. But things change, you know? You look at, oh, shit, soda's horrible for you. You know, it knocks those teeth down. You know, makes you fat. But damn, it's delicious. <laughs> you know, shit like that. Things change. Perspectives change. You know, the fact that when we were little or when I was little, I mean, you people smoked everywhere. I was on a plane last year. And you could tell it was an older plane. It was, uh, I think it was a Southwest flight. Older planes that still had the ashtrays and the uh, in the in the uh, armrests. Could you imagine fucking being stuffed on an airplane? It's already uncomfortable if you're if you're riding next to people. Could you imagine having a four hour flight and motherfuckers smoking next to you? Wow, you know that's crazy to me, man. But. That was reality then. It wasn't a, you know, you see like shit people smoking in hospitals. Okay, now smoking's bad. You know, shit like that. So I, I think those changes are, you know, of course they're super necessary, but I think they're, those are the little things that kind of fascinate me. Like you didn't, you didn't really know or, you, or like, come on, you kind of had to know smoking was, wasn't good. I mean, I don't smoke because my mother smoked. I never picked it up because I couldn't stand it. I mean, it didn't make me like, I wasn't like repulsed by smokers. I was just like, ah, it's not my cup of tea. My mom was doing it and it was just always smoky and always smelled a certain way. I hated it. But, you know, I never railed against it and I don't rail against it now. I have plenty of friends who smoke, so it's, you know, whatever. It's just, uh, I think it's like a common courtesy. Common courtesy, like, for instance, people give me, people, you know, in my sister give me shit about this, but I can't, like, I'm the easiest going dude in the world, but if I have to hear you eat, I become, like, Norman Bates level crazy, full on psycho, if I have to hear you eat, I will lose my shit if you, if, if that's something that you're pulling, Okay, I mean, I, I don't think you don't, have, you don't, you know, you don't have to listen to me. I don't have to listen to you eat. Now, I got to tell you, I've had probably a dozen or so of my, my son's friends that come through here. And I've had to tell them, like, look, hey, here's a rule in our house. If you eat, eat with your mouth closed. I don't need to hear it. And I think like, most of them take to it right away. Some of them had some two or three times. And, and it's, it, it was like the like banner turning into the Hulk. Like, man, shit, shit, savage, your dad's nuts. That's one of the few things I just, it's a, and I, I know there's a name for it, but it's something that just drives me absolutely insane. Hearing somebody eat or smack, oh, mouth shut. The worst, the worst, oh my gosh, is, uh, um, like people who breathe, like breathe heavy while they, and make like noises while they eat, like, like, uh, like humming noises. Like I had a, uh, a friend who <laughs> had, see, no longer a friend but he would eat and he'd be like hmm, mm, mm. <laughs> oh my god like it makes my skin stand up and and hunter hunter homosexual tell you he spent a lot of time me traveling that's the thing like, i don't care who you are if i if we're in proximity and i have to listen to you eat now here's a point of contention and i'm gonna break for sponsorship because that's what we got to do here in a second but um chips right like we, when I first met Renee, you know, the, the chips thing, like, and, and, you know, she's like, chips are awkward and 
She's like, well, you're going to crunch when you eat chips. I understand that. But there's ways to eat without crunching them. You know, you kind of just there's a subtle way to do it. And for the longest time, she would just kind of get bent out of shape with me about the chips thing. And then like one, 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 one holiday went to her mother's house or something. And her brothers and her stepbrothers were there and stuff. And man, these boys went in on some like chips and salsa. And holy shit. Oh my gosh. And Renee, before I could lose it, Renee was like, have some goddamn manners. <laughs> Eat with your mouth shut. I was like, that a girl? But yes, chips. Chips is like that gray area, right? Because, you know, they're, they don't, they, they're, they're not like shaped to fit inside your mouth. You know, there's people who make that like, like, uh, like cavern sound, you know, like, you know, they kind of engulf it. Just chips, man. You know, break them. Like you can put your lips on it, kind of break it, you know? I mean, I, I don't think that's asking too much. It's just common courtesy. But anybody who's ever dealt with a loud eater has been driven to that point of insanity. And I'm not sure if, you know, I've seen like memes or like updates about like Florida, Florida man or like Florida woman kills her, stabs her boyfriend in the neck because he burnt the pizza. You know, I'm sure there's been somebody who's suffered some gruesome fate because they wouldn't fucking eat chips right. You know what I'm saying? I got. I feel. I. I. I kind of think like, man, if you got locked up for that, you went away for that, and then you know you get into, you get into the penitentiary, and they be like, "What'd you do?" I'm like, man, I, you know, I told told them quit crunching them damn chips in my ear. Uh, real dog. That's cool. Uh, we got you. You know, I feel like you get a pass for that. But all right, gotta do the sponsor break. Be back talking about bonds. <laughs> 